0: What is happening to the surface of the planet Earth and to California's Central Valley?
1: The concerns we have here in Modesto are varied. We need to look at the effects that the global temperatures are having on our soil and various aspects of life in an agricultural community.
0: What are the honest, hardcore facts about reckless human behavior that cause the peril that humans make for each other? And what can we do to take better care of each other?
1: Great Mother Earth, her promise in peril.
0: In Today on The Peril and the Promise, we have a few excerpts from WPFW's radio show, Think 100%. We'll hear from Dr. Astrid Caldas and a politician from Oregon. We'll also hear from Boots Riley, an excerpt from his portrayal of Brother Earth as a contrasted with uh, Mother Earth in Health Crisis. That skit is supported by Josh Healy as Sister Sun. And we will also hear about the rising sea levels here in California and how that's affecting some of the poorest folks in the state. On a lighter note and a darker note, There is a uh, planetary service announcement, a public service announcement. And when you watch it online, you'll see how they weave in the race issue uh, in a humorous way while talking about the very serious issue of global climate change and everybody's responsibility. And it's mostly a way to show how the Earth is very much related in a fractal way to the human body. It's a very visual piece but i've got a little audio excerpt here just so you can get a taste of um, the idea here's a taste to incite you to go online and check out uh the brother earth psa by boots riley here it is
2: what's up people it's your boy brother earth the live is planted in the galaxy i'm here with a psa planetary service announcement yeah. brother earth is here to talk to you about a serious issue I'm here to talk to you about climate change, AKA global warming, AKA these money hungry fools literally trying to kill me. They doing you wrong! For real, I mean look, I'm just like you. I'm 70% water, just like the human body. Humans got lungs, I got forests. Humans got bloodstreams, I got rivers. See these clothes, this is my atmosphere. It's what keeps me feeling warm and looking fresh. Spent billions of years getting my atmospheric outfit just right. But lately, y'all keep going like this. It's gonna be more droughts, more hurricanes, more melting glaciers. Till one day, poof, Brother Earth is gone. And so are you. Look, y'all, something's gotta change. I've been sending y'all superstorms and mega typhoons and all kind of warnings. But y'all keep ignoring me. So this is it. This is my last message. My final communique. I need you to stand up. Stand up. I need you to rise up. Rise up. I need you to take it to the streets, whether it's outside the UN or outside your local Mickey D's. Supersize justice, suckers. I need you to change this free market fundamentalism that's up all our health. Come up with some real solutions. Solar power to the people. Because hey, I'm your home. I'm your planet. So help your brother out.
0: You can see the entire educational comedy piece on YouTube at Brother Earth with Boots Riley. He's the writer and director from Oakland of magical realism movie from 2018 called Sorry to Bother You. We have a few excerpts from Think 100%. Astrid Caldas is a senior climate scientist at the Union of Concerned Scientists. Her research focuses on climate change adaptation with practical policy implications for ecosystems, the economy, and society. Dr. Caldas has advised or consulted on projects with organizations including the Smithsonian Institution, and she holds a Ph.D. in ecology from Brazil and an M.S. in environmental management from the University of Maryland. She's often quoted in the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, the Huffington Post, uh, Christian Science Monitor, Monitor, among others. So Astrid starts by talking about folks living on the coastlines of the U.S.A.,
3: what we found we, we set out to see when these people were going to be seeing so much inundation before they are completely underwater mm-hmm. and that's the thing it will disrupt their lives so they're going to be seeing this type of chronic inundation at least 26 times per year which is a lot it doesn't matter if it's an inch of water or one foot of water you don't want to see that kind of water 26 times on your in your home and we found that not only towards the end of the century like you mentioned but Within the life of a mortgage, by 2045, more than 300,000 homes along the coast are going to be seeing this type of chronic inundation. Mm. And the current market value of those homes is about $117 billion dollars. Mm -hmm. So those homes at risk within the life of a mortgage are something that people have to be aware of if they are in the market for a home or if they own a home in these areas that are going to be subjected to this, what we call chronic flooding, which is before they get permanently underwater. Mm -hmm. We have hard data. Mm -hmm. We have measurements. We have things out there that are measuring these things. And we know that the atmosphere, the air around us is warming up. And we know that the sea level is going up. The sea is getting higher and higher. And that is because a lot of the heat from the atmosphere goes into the ocean mm. and the ocean, hot water expands. <laughs> so as it expands, it has nowhere to go but up. So as it goes up, it creeps more into the the towns on the coasts mm-hmm. and it reaches farther in and it starts flooding more with every high tide, which is what chronic inundation means.
0: Dr. Astrid Caldes goes on to talk about the meaningfulness to young people of the rising seas most noticeable on the coastlines whether east or west coast?
3: For these young people it means that they have to be super aware of what the future can bring Mm -hmm. and this risk to our coasts is something that because we love the coast, everybody loves being by the water, so people tend to Go there and want to have a home there. Well, if you're going to invest your life savings into a property, that's going to be your biggest asset. You want to be aware of these risks. You can look at our maps. We have interactive maps. But if the trajectory that we are on right now in the terms of the rate of sea level rise that's happening, by the end of the century, we're going to have up to 26 inches of sea level rise. Mm. A lot of the, the locations, a lot of the coastal cities are within a foot of sea level rise. So Mm -hmm. if you have 26 Mm. inches, you are kind of flooding a lot of the area of those cities, of those coastal towns. Florida, certain areas of the Hampton Roads in Virginia, Mm -hmm. areas here in the D.C. area, in Baltimore, the eastern shore of Maryland is one of the top places that are going to be seeing this kind of inundation. They are very low land. So if you talk about two feet, when you're standing there, it says it's two feet. I'm here. But it's very hard to see the the lay of the land and those two feet may mean your living room is flooded or not, mm. or the streets to go to your school, or the services that you depend upon. It's not that you have to be hit directly, it's the services, the tax base, that's, that kind of sustenance of a city, those can be hit so hard. Again, this is
0: The Peril and the Promise, today showcasing some excerpts from interviews shared with KCVP Radio by the folks at WPFW's Think 100% the coolest show on climate change. Their Hip Hop Caucus show from Washington, D.C. has implications for our folks here in the Stanislaw Valley of California, and their idea, think 100%, is based on the hope that soon and very soon 100% of energy, power, and production will be non-carbon footprint-based, that is, 100% renewable energy. Dr. Astrid caldas wrapped it up with the connection of the environment and the folks with little or no wealth and small incomes, that how those folks will be deeply impacted by this continuing effect of the rising seas on the coastlines. She says
3: the poor folks will be deeply impacted by this. The the wealthy people on the waterfront with the big houses, they have the resources to go elsewhere. A lot of people who work on those waterfront businesses, who need those daily wages, they're not gonna be able to go to their work. We found that in our results, there are 175 of these coastal communities that have above average poverty levels Mm -hmm. considered across the nation, Mm -hmm. that's what I mean. So of those 175 across the nation, The majority is in Louisiana, but a lot of them are also in New Jersey and here in Maryland. So these people, and and then you add that, you overlap that with locations that have above average populations of African Americans or Latinos who have been disengaged for a long time due to historical reasons and all the things that we know about. And many times they are going to be the last ones to receive resources or help to prevent those inundation. Um, uh, events from from reaching their homes and their and their businesses, because many of them have businesses also. Mm-hmm. Again, this
0: is The Peril and the Promise, today showcasing some excerpts from interviews shared with KCBP Radio by the folks at WPFW's Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. Today, we're bringing it home to the Central Valley in California as we listen to lessons by an Oregon senator. U.S. Senator when he shared some insights from his recent trip.
1: And I was just over in uh, uh, North Africa to uh, check in on several countries that were having uh, mass uh, famines and some 20 million people at risk of, of starvation in places like Somalia and South Sudan and Democratic Republic of the Congo and so forth. And uh, there you see a combination of factors. You see corruption, you see civil conflict, and you see climate, climate change, uh, uh, adding to the, the tensions and, and fighting over resources. So it's it really is a, a driver of a lot of the challenges we are seeing in the world right now. And it's an ex- at an accelerating rate. And Senator Merkley also talked about the scourge affecting the Sierra Nevada mountains and
0: over in Tuolumne and Calaveras counties, as well as further up the coast, the same
1: trees, the same species in Oregon. Well, my home state of Oregon you see the impact of the changing climate uh, everywhere. I like mm. to call it climate chaos because it, it reflects how powerful the changes are. It's just not a little little bit of change here and there. One is in the, the pine beetles. The pine beetles, it's not cold enough to kill them in the winter. Mm-hmm. So they're doing great. The beetles are doing great, and the pine trees are dying. Or you see the forest fires last summer stretching from Montana across through Idaho, Washington, Oregon, down to California. Much longer season, much drier forest, more lightning strikes, a, a terrible combination, the, the state covered by smoke weeks at a, a time. And not not too much different in time, the hurricanes hitting in the southeast. Those more powerful hurricanes, Maria and Harvey and, and uh, just uh, Taking that that warmer water mm-hmm. and converting into more powerful uh, storms and and uh, higher driving uh, s- sea surges, uh, wiping out so so much, and including uh, not just uh, in the uh, Texas and in Florida, but on to uh, Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. So, in other words, everywhere I look, I see the impact of of what carbon pollution is is doing. Mm. And it's important to remember: it used to be that. Um, You would hear folks say, well, well, this is just a bunch of folks doing computer models in some ivory tower somewhere. And no, this is facts on the ground. And rural America is is right in the target zone because it's hitting forestry. It's hitting fishing and it's hitting farming.
0: You're listening to The Peril and the Promise, and we're very thankful to our community radio friends over in Washington, D.C. for sharing their recordings of these interviews with Astrid and Jeff. That is hosted by Reverend Lennox, Yearwood, and Mustafa Ali. You can hear their entire show online at think100.info. If you're listening to The Peril and The Promise, we're about halfway through our show, continuing coverage of what's happening with global climate change and the seas rising. This next report comes to us from Imperial Beach, California, via popularresistance.org. They are telling us that Imperial Beach has a border on three sides of water the Pacific Ocean, the San Diego Bay, and the Tijuana River Estuary. Um, Last year, this town with one of the smallest budgets of any cities in California uh, realized that they could not afford to build seawalls to stop the rising seas that are doing damage to the the streets and uh, public property and private property in the area. So they filed a lawsuit uh, asking the oil companies, the gas companies, and the coal companies who are responsible for climate change to help pay for this cost. Uh, The lawsuit accuses these companies of knowingly contributing to sea level rise and coastal flooding by producing the fossil fuels and ignoring the warnings uh, about the consequences that they had been receiving for decades. But one must wonder why the city of Imperial Beach is not suing the military of the United States, any of the military branches, for all of the consumption of fossil fuels, the large carbon footprint. Um, But I guess it's probably because the source had to be that people were mining it, mining these fossil fuels to begin with. Just a few years ago, in 2016, a study noted that the beach erosion there in Imperial Beach has been accelerating, and these days, in 2018, it's just over a foot per year and it's expected to be six feet per year of ocean-level rise uh, 80 years from now. So the city can't afford to continue to fight this off. Uh, it's going to cost at least $50 million for the just for seawalls. So the city is, again, is suing the uh, fossil fuel companies, the major oil gas and coal companies to pay for this because the city's budget is only $19 million a year and they need $50 million right away because of climate change if they don't want their whole city to be completely flooded uh, within the next uh, decade or two. So um, the communities there are facing massive costs. They'll have to be paid either by the taxpayers or by the oil and gas and coal companies or by the federal government, um, which uh, has been able to bail out banks and has been able to bail out the companies that produce nuclear power ever since nuclear power's been around. One of the families there, Nicole Ballard and her son Sean, they've seen their family's condo flooded by the ocean several times already. Um, Imperial Beach boasts that 323 days a year, they're mostly or partly sunny, and the beach is the city's gemstone. The lawsuits, like the one that Imperial Beach has filed, they're meant to set new far reaching precedents in holding the polluters financially liable for the harm that they inflict upon local governments as well as private civilians until now they have not been able to they've not been able to get those uh, companies to pay anything for global warming damage the companies being targeted are among the world's richest uh, 37 defendants uh, in this lawsuit These companies, they got wealthy by selling products that in the past half century accounted for a fifth of all the world's greenhouse gas emissions, according to the city's lawsuit. And for at least uh, the past three decades, they understood the risks. You're listening to The Peril and the Promise, continuing coverage of what's happening with global climate change. And finally, a bit of good news on a scientific frontier for being able to mitigate against global climate change, which does affect us here in Modesto. This next report also comes to us from popularresistance.org, and it's about North American scientists that are trying to uh, create direct energy from carbon dioxide. Um... In principle, they could use the direct air capture technology to draw the greenhouse gas from the air, turn it into liquid, and store it in a secured geological formation for 100,000 years. So it's a, a way to hasten the speed of uh, what biological systems have done in the past. So, since the search for low carbon technologies is driven by the environmental and climate costs of the global warming and climate change as a consequence of carbon dioxide emissions from the fossil fuel combustion, the trick of converting atmospheric carbon into fuel directly would go some way to limiting climate change. One of the uh, researchers, his name is David Keith, he founded a Canadian startup called Carbon Engineering, and the colleagues of David Keith have reported in the journal Joule that they have a design for a process that could capture a million tons of carbon dioxide a year in a continuous process, using a fan system and some clever chemistry to absorb and concentrate the captured CO2. They calculate that the cost per ton of captured carbon dioxide would work out to somewhere between $94 a ton and $232 a ton of carbon dioxide. From that point, the captured carbon dioxide could become a feedstock to the manufacture of liquid fuel. Scientists have argued for nearly a decade that the exhaust from power stations and combustion engines should be considered an asset to be exploited, and researchers around the world have been racing to find ways to take the surplus atmospheric carbon and turn it into something that will power a truck or tractor or get a commercial flight airborne. So this is an interesting um, possibility that would help future generations. Uh, Something like one-fifth of the global carbon dioxide emissions that are changing the atmosphere and heating the globe are from transport. If the direct air capture technique could be linked directly to wind or solar energy, those emissions could be reduced. You are tuned into the Peril and the Promise, and the uh, planetary service announcement we heard from Brother Earth and Sister Sun was so important it bears repeating, so here's another snippet of that.
2: This is my last message, my final communique. I need you to stand up. Stand up! I need you to rise up. Rise up! I need you to take it to the streets, whether it's outside the UN or outside your local Mickey D's. I'm just like you. I'm 70% water, just like the human body. Humans got lungs, I got forests. Humans got bloodstreams, I got rivers. Oh, yeah.
0: Again, that was a snippet of the planetary service announcement by Brother Earth you can go online to see the entire visually rich, wonderful PSA by Boots Riley as Brother Earth. When you put that in your DuckDuckGo search engine. On a recent episode of The Peril and The Promise, we talked with Lucille, who's a school teacher in the Central Valley of California who has suffered from electromagnetic hypersensitivity. There could be a whole radio show, like a whole series of shows for years to to educate about radiation and whether or not and how severe the health effects are. But uh, I wanted to tell people about this report that comes to us from the Cellular Phone Task Force, where they've begun some litigation against the city of Santa Fe, New Mexico, the FCC Federal Communications Commission, in March of 2018, approved SpaceX, their plan to launch 4,425 satellites. And they want to eventually boost that up to 12,000 satellites. And we all know that satellites eventually come down. Whether it's 50 or 100 or 200 years, they they do come down uh, back to the planet. More space junk up there is not probably the best thing to do, as we just heard from. Uh, the character Brother Earth, (laughs) played by Boots Riley. Uh, And as many people already know, the the Earth is covered with uh, about 70% of the surface of the Earth is water. And that's why most of the satellites, there's the highest uh, proportion of space junk falling back to the planet, goes to uh, the oceans because there's a 70% chance (laughs) that that's where it's going to land. And some of it burns up in the atmosphere, of course. Anyway, the point of (laughs) this segment of The Peril and the Promise is to talk a little bit about the cellular phone health hazards. There was a person that wrote a book called uh, Microwaving Our Planet in 1997, and a year later that person, um, uh, the predictions in that book came to light uh, on September 23rd in 1998, which is about you know, 20 years ago, the world's first satellite phones became operational. So uh, 66 satellites were out there in low orbit. Same thing that SpaceX wants to do, low orbit. Uh, Except SpaceX wants to do 4,000, and up to 12,000, as I just said a minute ago. So what happened on September 23rd, 1998, if you hadn't heard about that, um, birds uh, disappeared from the air for a little while. Uh, as the radiation, as the uh, satellite signal was coming down because um, of the unprecedented uh, volume of electromagnetic energy that people and birds (laughs) and other creatures hadn't known about. So the humans that suffered, um, uh, 86% of electrically sensitive people that were in a survey uh, over six nations, uh, the survey was conducted on the telephone, Uh, 86% of the people surveyed that have uh, electromagnetic hypersensitivity or some sort of sensitivity. 86% of those folks all became ill on Wednesday, September 23rd, uh, as that extra radiation began with satellite telephones. That company went bankrupt, and um, then there was another company called Global Star that began on February 28th, 2000. And again, on that day, there were widespread reports of nausea, headaches, leg pain, respiratory problems, depression, and lack of energy at that point. That was reported by people who already had exhibited symptoms of electromagnetic hypersensitivity and others who had not. Again, this information is coming to us from the Cellular Phone Task Force. closer to home, the mobile phone tower at the Weston Elementary School in Ripon was installed in 2009. Two years later, this kind of electromagnetic energy finally became classified as a known carcinogen. That was 2011. Two years later, a $25 million study by the National Toxicology Program looked at overdoses of RF radiation on male rats, increasing the brain cancer called glioma, In the U.S., 80% of about 25,000 malignant brain tumors diagnosed each year are gliomas. And for children age 15 to adults age 39, the statistics show that if cancer kills young male humans at age 15 to 39, it's most likely a malignant brain tumor. Of course, I repeat, in this $25 million study, the level of exposure was an overdose, specifically six times more than what an average human exposure is to a mobile phone. But we must remember, the mobile phone towers emit more radiation than the phones. And of course, the intensity of the radiation, as it increased in the lab rats, that also increased the incidence of cancer. The data from this study was released exactly a year before the protest at Ripon's school, where the two male children, Kyle and Mason, got cancers that the families believe were created primarily by the increased use of 4G technology radiating more and more every year from the cell phone tower at this beleaguered school. Again, that protest was a little over a year ago, in 2017, and included two dozen Weston Elementary school kids who skipped class to protest the Ripon Unified School District's inaction, demanding they remove what they believe is a cancer-causing agent. Around that time, in July of 2017, 3,300 signatures had been gathered in and around Ripon to get the school to remove the carcinogenic cell phone towers, and During the next year, another 150 signatures were added to this petition. The American Cancer Society only admits a little evidence that these towers cause cancer. Only a tiny bit of evidence. And the parents of the boys, who have now licked the cancer, had not gotten any answers from the school district, so that's why they held that protest a little over a year ago, with the two dozen elementary school students in Ripon, California. Even though the American Cancer Society doesn't take a firm stance on behalf of vulnerable children hanging out next to microwave radio frequency towers of merely 4G technology, Dr. Joel M. Moskowitz of the School of Public Health at the University of California, Berkeley, says that the minimum distance between you and your iPhone should be two-tenths of an inch. That's five millimeters. Don't let it touch your body. Such concerned doctors and scientists advise a lower exposure of that technology. Turn off anything you're not using on the phone and put it on airplane mode whenever you can.
3: Life is so marvelous. Life is ideal.
0: You've been listening to The Peril and the Promise from kcbpradio.org, produced by Adlai Fredrickson and Pegasus here at the
1: Peace Life Center of Modesto.